Is that the the, the gay one? No, no, no. no. Yeah. You, the ni- you, you go to the nice spot. Um, seeking arrangements. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you go to the nice spot, Ruben. Yeah, so how you demand it up front. What was the one? AshleyMadison.com? This, yeah, that's for this, uh, uh, cheaters. Mm-hmm. This actual this site actually has an option where you can like go in and buy jewelry and like hundreds of dollars worth of items for women before you even talk to them. Oh my that's God. fucking wild. That's... Mm-hmm. As part I'm not of trying the, to live that life. <laughs> well, no. You get to be the, a reciprocant of those things. I don't, for sure. <laughs> yeah, no. You might. You could do that. I can't. Do they still do the instead of money? I don't think I would be. Say what? It used to be like women who um, sold themselves on Craigslist instead of saying it's a hundred dollars, it's a hundred roses, something like that. Oh, I don't know about Craigslist. Oh, I thought that's what you were talking about. Seeking seeking arrangements. Oh, I see. I thought you were talking about seeking arrangements. Like Craigslist for people with money. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like part of the application is you have to put in how much you're worth. Okay. And uh, it goes for men and women. Okay, you can get a sugar mama too. I don't, I don't think I could. <laughs> I'll try it. I don't think it'll work. <laughs> All right. So welcome everybody to Two Towns Over. And we are here We're for part... <laughs> <laughs> Today we are actually going to finish up uh, with part two of the werewolf saga. Oh, um, uh, yeah. That's right. Yes. Yes. Oh, this week, thank you. Yeah, this week we are actually going to be talking about the actual story of the Beast of Gévaldan. Gévaldan. <laughs> there's going to be... Uh, Every time you say that, I want you to know there's a... There's a Frenchman that dies a little inside? No. Oh. There, I mean, that's good, but no. Um, there is a book that I read, that I read occasionally, I guess, over and over, and it's called Battle Mage by Peter Flannery. And there is a character in it whose name is literally just the Chevalier, and it's fucking sexy. That's all. <laughs> well, I know. And that... every time you say Chevaldon, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> oh, fun. Yeah. Uh, it actually, apparently, in the TV show Teen Wolf, um, great. I hate it already. Features heavily the the story of the Chevaldon and uh, oh. the maid of Chevaldon, which we'll get to later. I don't. God, I haven't watched that. Since I don't watch like or 2004 or something never like seen that. Teen Wolf even one time. <laughs> I love the movie with Michael J. Fox, but the TV oh, yeah, show. That oh yeah, good. no, that Teen one's good. Wolf. I've seen. I yeah. haven't seen Teen Wolf. Oh, you okay. feel me? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basketball Teen Wolf. I'm cool with. Yeah, yeah. except for like some of it because it was like the 80s. Yeah, so. yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Still, I mean, some pretty uncomfortable shit happens in that movie. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's there was like a like a uh, lot of a lot of uncomfortable shit. An unintentional Easter egg where there was somebody that pulled their pants down or was like fiddling with themselves in the crowd during one of the scenes. What? Yeah. I don't think that's an Easter egg. That's just just a crime. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure. It's one of those things where, you know, someone saw it was like, oh shit, like the the thing in Back to the Future 3 with a little boy. At the end of the movie, it's you who segued into the thing with the little boy. I'm scared. At the end of Back to the Future Three, Doc Brown and his wife have two kids. Named one's named Jules, and one named one is named Burn. And while they're talking to Marty, one of the kids is like pointing at Marty's girlfriend, and then points at his crotch. This is a little like eight or nine year old boy. Yeah. So it's one of those things that made it into the cut that shouldn't have made it. Uh oh. Yeah. Oops. Someone needs to talk to that kid and make sure they don't need therapy because they do. <laughs> well, he is in Hollywood. 
So that's yeah, pretty self-explanatory. There's definitely not a single child in show business <laughs> who does not need heavy therapy right now. Mm-hmm. Accurate. All right. Matilda made it out though, so it's cool. Yeah, yep. true. <laughs> Good for her. I know, right? <laughs> All right, so we're going to get started. Uh, you know who we are. You can hear that we do have a special guest. Kelsey has joined us again. Say hi, Kelsey. Hello. There you go. <laughs> that was a good intro. Quick. I'm quick. We're keeping it snappy. That was yeah. a good intro. I'm Ruben, though, just in case. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm Josh today. Yeah. All right. That's Don, because he's not going to say his name this time. No. He's pulling a me right now. I I'm, like it. I'm fried. So in the summer of 1765, the region of Gévaudan in southern France became the epicenter of a string of animal attacks that by the beginning of the summer of that year, two year or sorry, by the beginning of summer two years later, would go on to take an estimated five hundred men, women, and children. That's a lot. Yeah. Of men, women, and also children. Mm-hmm. It was mostly Thanks. women and children. Um I kind of figured. Yeah. Uh, so what the beast was, is penchant for hunting humans and the viciousness of the attacks would create a legend that to this day still leads many to speculate about the monster that became known as the Beast of Gévaudan. This is one of them ones that it was probably a serial killer before we knew what to call those? Uh, no, because people did see the, the creature. But it is, and we'll get to it, it is theorized that there was a serial killer who trained an animal to do the killing. What? Yeah. That's kind of cool. I was just going to say that's kind of rad. I don't like. I that, don't want to be the guy who thinks killing is cool. That's an anime I'm villain. A white but that's girl. an anime I can fucking totally villain. Say that's dope. That's an anime <laughs> right. That's like you, that's Kiba from fucking Naruto. No idea what you're he's a literally. He's, you don't he's need a, to. You, you, it's you know a ninja everything one. you need to. Okay, from the context. so it's a ninja one. And um, in the ninja one, there's a clan of ninjas who their whole gimmick, the whole gimmick. Is that they also have ninja dogs. Okay. And so Kiba has some cool attacks um, with his wolf dog companion, whose name I don't remember and don't give a shit about. <laughs> and this has been the weekly. But it was cool as shit. With Ruben. Watch One Piece or <laughs> read it rather. Yeah, yeah. So the region. I'll, I'll die on this hill. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> so the region of Gévaudan was located in what is now the area of modern-day Lozier in France. In the mid-1700s, the time of these events, the area of France was still considered, this area of France was still considered untamed. It was mostly rural and only occupied. Untamed, no pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mostly occupied by the poorest of peasants. Oh, peasants. peasants. <laughs> There's a lot of peasants. There's a lot of peasants. Uh, the topography of the land was mostly mountainous and covered in dense forest, making farming hard for the already suffering population. Bro, that's that's some dense forest, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it matches. Do you the... know what I'm saying? Please, someone. No. Okay. Yeah. No. No. We we get it. Uh, it well, maybe okay, can it was you all explain the, it to me then. Maybe it was all the porn talk in the first episode. <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing you're talking pubic hair. Ooh, maybe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Ruben sets up a joke and he's like, "Somebody give me the punchline." I was, I was, I was kind of, I was thinking about a weed one, but oh. Oh. pubic hair, dense forest, that's better. Okay, backwards. Um, hey, yeah. that's both. I like that. Yeah. He's good. <laughs> the visitors that pass through the region um, describe the smattering of villages as hideous. Now, France itself that's was rude. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're just villages. Now, France itself was suffering greatly after having lost the Seven Years' War. King Louis the Fifteenth had I lost. How long that lasted? <laughs> it, 
it was actually 12. It was odd. Um, yeah, the Hundred Years' War was like 107 or something. <laughs> well, 107 years doesn't really roll off the tongue as well. No, as it super doesn't. <laughs> you said it's odd. Like, yeah. Yeah, seven, it's true. Seven years. Mm. That is an odd number. But it's wait. Prime. No, wait, is, is it? It's a prime number. Mm-hmm. It's not divisible by three? It sure isn't. Okay. That's, <laughs> no. that's six you're thinking of. Or nine. Okay. I'm just thinking 69. that three times nine is 27, so there is the chance. But... No, 27 is not a prime number, but seven is a prime number. Right, I know that, but 107, I was asking. Oh, 107? 107? I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, then. I don't know. This has been Math Talk with Ruben and Don. I'm like racking so anyway, my brain. <laughs> so King Louis XV had lost most of his kingdoms overseas, most of his kingdoms overseas empire, including Canada. At this point in history, the country of France was in shambles. Now, the region was also subjected, uh, subjected to brutal winters. Now, since most of the population were farmers, this did not bode well for them as the winters would force them to bring their livestock into their houses to provide additional warmth for their families. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And most of the times, the residents were close to starvation by the time their crops were able to be harvested. Another problem was the high wolf population in the area. Since at the time, the only people in France who were allowed firearms were the military and royalty, this left the peasants to try to defend their flocks with whatever they were able to find lying around. Picturing scythes. Yeah. I'm thinking pitchforks and sticks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I scythes are just like a little bit cooler. <laughs> Not the hand one though. No, no, no. Cool. He's, he's no, talking no, no. about I'm like picture, the a grim scythe. reaper scythe. The reaping yeah. scythe. Well, you know they're they're farmers. They're peasants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got they would scythes. have that probably. Yeah. They'd have a few of them, I bet. Yeah. Now shepherds who let their flocks out to roam had to keep constant vigil lest their charge fall to the attack. Can you imagine how fucking rad it would be for the story to end up being a farmer killed a serial killer and his pet wolf with a fucking scythe? Dude, <laughs> fuck yes. Right at was right Was that now. the end of Soul Eater? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> so it was in this climate that, that, actually. <laughs> that the beast made its appearance. The, t- the first tale was told by a young woman tending to her cattle in the field near the tree line. The woman described the beast as a beast the size of an adolescent calf. She described it as having an unusually broad chest, long talons, a huge mouth full of canine teeth, and red eyes that seemed to glow. Minotaurus. It had a rust-colored pelt with a dark stripe down its back. Now, later descriptions would add to the creature's appearance. Bigger than a wolf, reddish color, large head, small pointed upright ears, you are describing Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how the first, the very first fan fiction was ever written. Because <laughs> um, you can't talk about Sonic without making it real dirty. That's true. That's very true. Just ask the internet. Do a Google image search for Sonic the Hedgehog. Do I go- fucking dare you. Don't. I lo- double dog dare you, motherfucker. Do he it. Can't, he can't give you consequences for this. Don't listen to him. <laughs> uh, Don't show the plant babies. This is very imperative. <laughs> they need to grow up big and strong. Don't. 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 <laughs> All right. So wide gray chest, black streaks on the back, hind legs longer than the forelegs. Yeah, you know, that makes it's, it less scary, huh? <laughs> that it is like today's werewolves, like for real people who, I would not say suffer, but like um, back in the day they would have been suffering. But like, you know, nowadays if you think you're a wolf, you can put on a fucking wolf costume and go fuck other people who think they're badgers and shit. 
<laughs> you're gonna get angry responses from and the listen, furry those community. Are some happy or you can go hang people. out and play games, whatever. Like, <laughs> no, listen, I'm not trying to dog on you. They like, are we're some here, happy like, fucking people. dog on you, bitch. I'm black. Really? Fuck you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not really not trying to shit on you. Like, I'm really just like you know. It is like that's what you might have been considered a werewolf back in the day. You may have ended up in some terrible situations. We should be thankful that now we have furries to just go do furry shit, which is mostly normal shit, but in a costume. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So it was also said it was also said to have a thin tail with a puff on the end, and it was said to be able to leap over twenty eight feet and could stand on its hind legs. No, that's just a fucking furry. <laughs> like <laughs> they didn't have animal costumes in the 1700s. No, the, no they is, had wolf skins and uh, drugs. Okay, this is canonically <laughs> the the first ever instance of a furry, yeah. furry what, in did, history. What were they called yeah. last time? The fucking and berserkers and the what's? Ulfhednar. Ulfhednar. Yeah, yeah, bud. That was a furry. It's actually just that cosplay. was a battle furry. <laughs> uh, it was set- actually that's kind of rad. <laughs> <laughs> just, it was just druids. Okay, it's just druids. I mean. It was said that its cry was similar to that of a horse's neighing, and it was seemingly impervious to bullets. Now, the creature. Now, this is back to the girl's story. The creature moved in to attack her. I look like a bear physically. You know, it's fine. Um, The creature moved in to attack her, ignoring her cattle, but the bulls of her flock moved between her and the beast and blocked it until it returned back into the woods. Her family felt that the girl was hysterical and mistook a regular wolf for something more monstrous. That story would soon would be listened to more closely after June 30th, 1764, when 14-year-old Jean Boulet became the beast's first official victim. Uh-oh. She was partially eviscerated. So little of her was left that the priest stated that she would have to be buried without sacraments since there was so little of her to put in the ground. It would be a month before the beast would claim its second victim, but now... Word spread quickly throughout the region of the attack. And also, the- real quick, I don't want to gloss over that. Um, fuck the Catholic Church for that. Oh, because they wouldn't bury Because you won't bury a child with sacraments just because they got eviscerated by a beast. Yeah. Like, you can't get to heaven because you didn't get killed There's not killed enough right. of you left. Yeah. Like, you didn't like, get killed right, so you don't get to go to heaven. Fuck you. Like, say, say your sacraments over the big toe or whatever you gotta do. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Or is the big, or is the big toe the tastiest part? Like, there's not a left left of you for God to affect, bitch. Isn't he supposed to be omnipotent? Yeah, omnipresent, and what's the other one? Uh, omniscient. Omniscient. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure most cannibals say that the butt is the tastiest part. And that makes sense. Yeah, it's the sweetest part. It's I the don't, fattiest part. Yeah. I was gonna say I don't. I don't like the word sweetest. <laughs> Apparently we are sweet. Yeah. yeah. Well, it still makes me uncomfortable. It should. <laughs> it's all those little Debbie cakes we fucking eat. <laughs> You're drinking too much sugar. So it'd be a month before the beast would claim its second victim. By now, word spread quickly. Or but now, word spread quickly throughout the region of the attack, and the population began refusing to go outside to tend to their farms and livestock, uh, causing the local economy to collapse. What? Nothing. Okay. You just said butt now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're all children. <laughs> now, as stated before, wolves were in abundance in the region surrounding Gévaudan, and plenty of people had been attacked by wolves before. I said Soul Eater earlier, and all I can think of is the dude in Soul Eater whose whole power is wolves, and he's like, his spell is wolf wolves. That's all I can hear in my head. Is it? 
Yeah. I need to watch the leader. It's so good, dude. Because so I I've been watching. I just finished Fire Force. Yeah, which is actually it's set in the same yeah universe, but it's a prequel. Really? Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. Big what? reveal. Oh my god! Now I gotta watch them both again. Absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> phenomenal. Shit. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> but um, though plenty of people have been attacked by wolves before, there was never a wolf attack that matched the viciousness of these attacks. Victims' throats were mauled, sometimes to the point of decapitation. Hearts were torn out. Almost all were partially to mostly eaten. The beasts seemed to kill for sport, leaving mutilated, uneaten corpses in the field. Even more strangely, the beast rarely, if ever, killed livestock. It had a taste for human blood. It got a taste for that man flesh. Yes. Though some estimates put it at around 100 victims, a 1987 study by the Norwegian Institute for Nature Research estimated if, up to 500. If you have a taste for man flesh, call your doctor. <laughs> <laughs> or, if you think you can afford it, me. <laughs> Between August we'll, 8th We'll put a hyperlink in the description <laughs> Ruben's account For my on, fucking OnlyFans yeah, No, on, uh, what is it? Uh, oh yeah, seeking, right Seeking arrangements Between August 8th and September 1st of uh, 1764 Three more teenagers would fall victim to the creature On September 8th Because I can't be listening to about Dead teenagers right now is all really <laughs> is the thing. Um, a 36 year old, here you go. A 36 year old oh, woman, cool. a 36 year old woman died now, cool, was cool, the cool, first cool, cool, adult cool. to be attacked by the beast. Well, that's not good either. It was dusk as she walked across the field. The beast <laughs> lunged out of the tree line and began chasing her. She was with, with this, she was within reach of her front door when she was violently pulled back. The beast grabbed her head in its jaws and crushed her skull with its massive bite. Her family and neighbors spread the word to the neighboring villages. People hoped that the win as winter approached, the beast would either move in, move on, or die in the harsh winter. But as the year ended, the attacks only increased. You keep calling it the beast, and now all I can see is actually the beast from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> the cartoon or the TV show? Um, the cartoon. Well, whatever floats your boat. <laughs> I mean... Um, by November of 1764, the beast had attacked... a dapper gentleman. <laughs> the beast had attacked 18 people, killing eight. And by the end of 1764... Wait, uh, so there were survivors yes, of attacks That's from why the people know what it looks like. Ah, okay. Uh, the beast had taken the lives of 60 people by the end of 1764. It sounds like a fucked up bear, honestly. It's... What are the... Uh, Yagwai. Yagwai from yeah. uh, Fallout. Fallout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The fuck? Yeah, Yagwai they're like mutated, is mutated bears. bears in yeah. the Fallout shit, uh, game. But they don't fucking look like bears anymore. No. How do I spell that? Except in Fallout Yagwai? 76. Y-A-G. Y-A-O-G-O-A-I. Yeah. Something like that. Yao. It's, it's Chinese. So as news spread through the region about the attacks, newspapers began to pick up the story and disseminate it throughout France, Germany, Spain, and the UK, becoming one of the first international stories in history. <clears throat> England. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was picturing. <laughs> England, one of France's opponents in the Seven Years' War, were more than a little amused at the fact that King Louis XV couldn't handle what, in their eyes, amounted to a minor wildlife problem. Now, this infuriated the king. Because it's just peasants. Yes. Uh, it's also like, 
in what world is it the king's job to deal with like wolf attacks? Um, our one. I yeah. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, one of the reasons that they would... didn't deal with anything that didn't immediately pertain to them. Yeah, but they said they would, so oh, people true. got mad. Yeah. Almost well... like today. <laughs> I was about to say. That's right. I forget that royalty was just basically politicians. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Government has not changed. It never will. Sure won't. We elect them instead of inbreeding them now. <laughs> we don't even really elect them anymore. We don't even really elect them. I know. Disney does. Um, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> so this infuriated. Hey, guys. Did y'all know that for the first time in a very long time, uh, right around the time Trump got elected, people trying to immigrate away from the U.S. was higher than people trying to come in? Yeah. Doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it hasn't changed yet. <laughs> there was some like underpopulated island or something in uh, Canada, I believe, that ran this whole thing where they were like, "We'll accept you on this island with pretty much no exceptions if Trump gets elected." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's um, hysterical. I wish yeah, I would have known about that. Yeah, you just you just had to work. <laughs> so this I mean, inf- I do that anyways. <laughs> now this infuriated the king and in November 1764 he ordered an army unit that was stationed outside of Lang- Languedoc to hunt down the beast. He even offered a bounty for the beast that attracted thousands of hunters from all over the region. Peasants and nobles alike set up hunting parties. Dude, it's a whole fucking side quest. <laughs> this is the first episode of a really good anime. It's it's a side quest with a raid boss. Yeah. Yeah. It's a level four campaign. This is a um, mm-hmm. quest. This is that. This is every episode of Sao, but the only the good parts. <laughs> right, right. Not the not the parts with weird, really rapey villains. The yeah. Yeah, it's like a trend too. It sucks. Yeah, it's the writer. He's fucking weird. Yeah. Jean Baptiste Duhamel. I mean, sorry, sorry, <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I it is like. You know, if they're working through something, I'm not going to be, be mad at them. Yeah. But uh, it's pretty explicit. You d- not not every one of your big bads needs to be a rapist. That's true. It's, it just doesn't <laughs> or need to a be stalker a thing. rapist. Anyway, <laughs> write better. <laughs> <laughs> it's not essential to your plot. I swear to God, it's just lazy writing. You can get you can get the same effect with just creepy. Yeah. <laughs> You can make me hate them other ways, I uh-huh. promise. You sure can. So Jean-Baptiste Duhamel, a famed Dragoon captain, arrived with... Fuck yeah. What? Nothing. Just Dragoon. I grew up on Final Fantasy type <laughs> shit. Like, I can't not hear the word Dragoon and think of cool armor jump knights. Uh, a famed Dragoon captain arrived with around 300 soldiers on November 3rd. He anticipated this to be a short affair, but by this time, the search area had spread to over 1,200 square miles. Duhamel and his battalion, aided on by over 10,000 volunteers, canvassed the area, hoping to make short work of the beast. That's an army. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't long before, the, before Duhamel, and, Duhamel and his men encountered the beast. Duhamel describes the encounter as follows. The beast came out and passed in front of two of the hunters. The first shot it about 10 paces away. It fell instantly, then got up immediately. The second hunter shot it at the same distance as soon as he saw it get up. It fell again. The two hunters as well as some peasants ran on it. Believing it dead, it got up again and re-entered the woods. So wait, shot it 
With a gun. With a gun. Yeah, okay. muskets. Gotcha. Yeah. That's so what a dragoon is. It's are are we? Oh, got it. Got yeah, it. yeah. A real life dragoon is like a knight, but with a gun. Which is even cooler than yeah, the Final that's Fantasy fucking one. Awesome. Like, now <laughs> that I've said really it out loud, cool. holy shit! <laughs> oh man! Oh shit! That's cool as fuck. That's a multi-class build. Yeah, but that's a paladin with a gun. Are you fucking with me? <laughs> so uh, is this? Is this? Are we leading up to the the silver bullet oh part of no. their lord? No, no. Like a, that's, uh, okay. a, that's an anime hero. A yeah. motherfucker in full plate armor with a shield and a rifle. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, believing it dead, it got up again and re-entered the woods, appearing to have an uncertain walk and going slower, though still faster than those who were chasing it. It received another shot in the wood, which, like the first two, did not kill it. It came out of the woods. Another hunt- hunter shot it again about 50 paces away. It got up and went back into the woods again, where they looked for it until nightfall without being able to find it. You can follow a blood trail at that point. I just don't believe him anymore. <laughs> now, do I don't know, man. With a, with an army marching around, yeah, it might be hard to track something, even something like. Yeah. Also, he didn't say it was bleeding. Yeah, yeah, I he said it went down. It's possible that it hit it, and it was like you know, it could have been like hitting something with a BB. To this uh, they could have also not hit it like they thought they did because yeah. there was no rifling in barrels. Yeah, and it was muskets. So. Yeah. Now, Duhamel's frustration turned to hostility as the days dragged on. No one could seem to track the monster as the attacks continued. To cover for his wounded pride, Duhamel began to spin elaborate tales to explain away the fact that the beast had been able to elude him and his men, not to mention the thousands of trained trackers and hunters. It's a windigo. <laughs> <laughs> Having convinced himself that capturing the beast would be simple, by December, Duhamel became increasingly desperate. After the death of 70-year-old Catherine Valet, Valet, sorry, Duhamel began forbidding family members of victims from collecting their remains. That's wild. Convincing them instead to leave the remains out in the open to attract the beast back to the scene of his last attack. That's Jesus crazy. Christ. I, that was at a time when, like last rites and stuff were really important yeah we just started we just talked about how fucked the catholic church yeah from back then especially right like i that was massively important to them was being buried yeah that's like i mean we talked about it in according to carl yeah like you know like she couldn't be cremated so they had to dismember her right right like that's wild I love the fact we've just taken to calling that episode according to Carl. <laughs> well, it felt like a dark sitcom. Yeah. No, it felt like a, a. Oh, it felt like a, like an All My Children or something. What are those? Like a soap, soap opera, opera, but yeah, but darker. Yeah. Um. So the remains would putrefy, but the beast did not return. Peasants eventually stopped reporting the attacks to Duhamel and would bury their bodies. This angered Duhamel greatly, so much so that in January of 1765, Duhamel learns of the burial of a child and immediately jails the grieving father. Jesus Christ. It's one thing to be like, hey, could you just maybe leave the body out as bait for the beast? I really need to catch this fucking thing. But it's another when someone's like, I'm going to go ahead and bury my kid. But it's a, and, pe- it's a peasant. Yeah. <laughs> you have to say it with that stank. Yeah, a peasant. It needs to be understood that these people are horrible. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, they're, they're they dirty. They don't deserve. No, no, no. The people calling the people peasants. Oh. It has to sound gross. Because they're gross. Yeah, no, that, that's what I mean. That's their attitude. And they're yeah. like, oh, these people are dirty. Yeah. They don't deserve a proper burial if I need them as bait. So around this time, another attack was described as follows. The beast lay in ambush as she passed through the garden adjoining her house. Before she could react, the beast jumped on top of her and ripped her neck right away from her shoulders, carrying off the head. In fact, decapitation seemed to be the beast's calling card. Mm, Serial killer. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes the loss of the head was the only injury to the victim, almost as if the beasts were killing for sport. It's a serial killer wearing weird pelts for sure. And and a like little a bit of armor underneath. Mountain man That's why they could hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's wearing too much like skin and fur yep. above him to 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 really get hurt. And he's musket just, balls weren't all that powerful. Yeah, they're round. Yeah, <laughs> like BBs. Yeah, but worse. Yeah. Now, finally, Duhamel came face to face with the beast. To put it lightly, <laughs> <laughs> everything was <laughs> everything was perfect for the chance to end the attacks. He had the advantage geographically, and the beast was unaware of his presence. However, his battalion was also unaware that he had the kill shot lined up, and when they saw the beast, they immediately began to charge, frightening the beast and causing it to run away. Mm-hmm. Duhamel was inconsolable. He wrote, Imagine my sadness. I had three balls in my musket. Ask yourself if I could have missed. Firing. Don't look at me like that, Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I, knew, I, I just said three balls in my musket, and I didn't. my gaze stayed on the screen. I can see Ruben across from me. I saw his face change, and I was like, nope, I'm just going to keep plowing. I literally looked at Josh immediately, and then, and then he smiled, and I was like, mm. <laughs> Three balls in the musket are worth two in the pants. Yes. <laughs> Ask yourself if I could have missed firing from four paces. This was yeah, be, you could have. Yes. This was to be the, the most. The shit flies out at like a 90 degree <laughs> angle. That's how muskets worked. You couldn't aim with them. That's why the Redcoats just stood on hills and launched volleys and maybe they hit the enemy. Uh, this was to be my, the most glorious moment of my life. After having endured so much pain and fatigue, I myself would have had the satisfaction of delivering this country from the scourge that afflicts it. I did not reload my musket, but took my pistol in hand and ran into the woods as fast as my horse would carry me. Always faster to pull your sidearm than it is to reload your main weapon. Mm -hmm. First person shooter. (laughs) As fate would have it, no one was present at the edge of the wood to tell me which way the beast had gone. Instead of going right, I went left. The next morning was met with torrential rains, causing all tracking of the beast impossible. In the end, the famous Duhamel did not succeed. After the army and volunteers failed to find the beast, despite killing over 100 wolves, Louis XV called on a famous Norman wolf hunter by the name of Deneval. Reputed Dude, to- now there's a famous wolf hunter? Yes. I love this, too. <laughs> I'm picturing him in the tavern. Amateurs. <laughs> what? Amateurs! Werewolves are too fucking cool. <laughs> uh, They're this just is, too this cool. Is a, this is a fucking D&D story. Mm-hmm. Repu- also, this is an audio medium. People can't hear it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, reputed to be the best wolf hunter in the kingdom, he is said to have killed more than 1,200 wolves on his own. On That's fe- a lot of wolves. Dude. Yes. He's got to be so high level. Bro. 
<laughs> On February 17th of 1765, Denival arrives in Clermont-Ferrand, accompanied by his son. They were presented to the Intendant d'Auvergne, Monsieur de Ballonvier. Man, you I'm really sorry. did it to yourself. Mm-hmm. They were presented to the Intendant d'Auvergne, Monsieur de Ballonvier. I'm saying it correctly. It's just weird because it's a lot of shit to say right there. Because I actually have the fucking how names to pronounce it. Names are unreasonably long yes, sometimes. Yeah, especially French names. Yeah. The Canada next day. Me. I can't go to Montreal. The next day, they were at La Chapelle Laurent and the next day at Saint Flor. At the beginning of March, they take their they took their place in Gévaudan. Bless it. As soon as they arrived in Gévaudan, the Denevals claimed exclusive hunting rights. They therefore obtained the dismissal of Captain Duhamel. They call upon Monsieur de la Verde. Goodness, the way I wrote this, I'm sorry. And they called upon Monsieur de la Verde. Yeah. On April 8th, Duhamel and his men had to leave the country for their new assignment at Port, Port Saint-Esprit. Uh, however, the Denevals were slow to launch major hunts, the first of which did not take place until April 21st. Its aim seemed to be to drive the beast back to Prunier and the woods belonging to the Count of Morangier. So they're trying to corner it. Yes. But the beast managed to escape without the hunters being able to You know to what shoot. it is? This is the questing beast. Yeah? Yeah. <clears throat> Elaborate. Well, do you, oh, you guys don't know what the questing beast is? No. no. I have no idea. Really? Oh, shit. Okay. Um, all right. Well. Um, <laughs> Ruben just put on his DM hat uh, real quick. So the questing beast is actually uh, part of the Arthur legend. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. So I don't remember a whole lot because it's been a while since I've read it. And I know the T.S. Eliot version because that's the most famous, for, famous version. And it's... One, it's a guy, one of the knights, a knight, is hunting the questing beast. And it's basically just like a magical beast. And it's supposedly, the description is that, basically it's a giraffe. Okay. A giraffe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, like a giraffe. Like, yeah, like a giraffe, like a big long neck, spots, horse's hooves, uh, a lion's tail. And horns. Love it. So it's a, it's a giraffe. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, it's it's basically like, it's just like one of those, like like a white stag, you know? Right. Like one of those, you got to hunt it if it's your quest type yeah. thing. Yeah. I got you. I got you. And that's why these people can't catch it. Because it's, it's not their quest. Ah. Hard. Hard. Gotcha. Also, it is killing things. So. But giraffes are... Giraffes, so. The giraffe is killing things? Yeah, why not? Sure. On January 12th of 1765, the beast attacked seven children from La Villa Rey. It it decapitates you by whipping its neck so I was going to say, that's how they fight. (laughs) Yeah, bud. Yeah. It's actually wild. They fucking the shit out of each other. And you can hear it. Yeah. It's fucking crazy is what it is have you ever seen two kids like roughhousing too hard and they smack their heads against each other and you hear that like almost hollow thunk yeah that's what it sounds yeah um and like the you can hear their necks pop together and it's like it's fucking loud (laughs) like it's like a it's really loud it sounds like they're gonna break their own necks so on January 12th of 1765, the beast attacked seven children from La Villa Rey, a parish in Chanalil 
France. Uh, the fight. <laughs> <laughs> that got you. Huh? Francais. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the fight that pitted it against the young shepherds and the courage that the latter demonstrated have remained in the annals. Since the appearance of the beast, it is recommended not to send, since the appearance of the beast, it was recommended not to send children alone to guard the cattle and the herds, and they were often grouped together. Now, five boys and two girls between the ages of eight and twelve were attending their flocks that day. Ha, yes. Don't send just one, because the beast might eat them. Send all of your children, because yeah. <laughs> well, surely... Strength in numbers, even though they're four <laughs> fucking feet tall. Well, don't you have you haven't have you never seen the kids next door? I mean, yeah, they but, run the ro- they they got gadgets. It's but fine. They, they didn't have two by four technology. Yeah, they got they got fences. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. I don't know. Uh, a kid from what, what century? Eighteenth century. Eighteenth century. I don't know. I think a kid from the eighteenth century could probably kick my ass. Yeah, me too. Probably. I mean, actually, no, not me too, but, like, I feel like it would hurt. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I'd have to work at it to, like, put them down, right. you know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> to put down a child, you know? If I could kick a TikTok Zoomer's ass oh, right now. Da- on the day, you know, that'd give, make my give life me, great. <laughs> give me a kid the same age from the 17th or 18th century and it's going to be a fight. Oh, like a 15-year-old who grew up working on a like a Dude. 18th century farm? I'll die. <laughs> They're going to be taller than me. Like <laughs> They won't be taller than me, but they'll be fucking jacked. Right. <laughs> like in a re- not in like, a gym way, like no. in a real way. No, like in a farm work yeah. way. Like in a Husky. I got to wrestle a horse sometimes way. <laughs> right. Yeah. I got to take cows down. So the beast oh. attacked um, by circling around the children as they gathered to defend themselves. So they all gathered in a circle with their sticks or shepherd's crooks or whatever they used to... Their sides. Sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, because they didn't have something like that to defend. All they had was the sticks. Um, well, they are children. It jumped and lunged... <laughs> they can't be trusted with knives. <laughs> it lunged at the youngest of the boys and came back with a piece of its cheek in his mouth. Um... When it came back, it grabbed young Joseph Penifo's arm in its mouth and taking the, and started taking started taking the child with it. Now, one of the children suggested running away while the animal was busy. Oh, that yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. But no, young, no, no, that's a good plan. <laughs> I'm I, six, eight year olds. I'm not going <laughs> to win this. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> but young Jacques Andre Portefe urged them to rescue their companion. I mean, admirable, truly Dude. brave, but also stupid. <laughs> this is like a fucking young adult. This is a D&D novel. fucking like, battle. She was right yeah. when she said it's like a level four. It's like, holy shit, that's the 10th level boss. And it's like, no, but it has Jimmy. We gotta save him. <laughs> the challenge rating is too high. We have to run. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, and your DM's just sitting there looking at you like, what you gonna do? Are you rolling an initiative? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> so you What's don't have my long? alignment? <laughs> See, and here's where things get confusing because every story was different. Every site I went to had a different story. Like I said, some said that it killed 100 people. Some said that it killed 500 people. Trust me, that's how my research was too. One story said that the boys, all they had were sticks. 
This one that I ended up using said that they had attached blades to the end of their sticks. I don't nice. know. Uh, but they just kitchen knives. Probably. Boys had sharps. Yeah. Yeah. So slowed by the nature of the terrain, the beast was joined by the children who try to reach the it. Open with... farmland. What? What are we? Where are we right now? No, it's moved into the woods. And oh, okay, it's, okay, okay. It's okay. hilly terrain. Okay. No matter right. what. I, don't, I was just picturing because yeah. we said they were tending yeah. sheep. Yeah. 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 So that would have been like a plane or heading or out like to at the least plane. a. A pad it in a field. It could be right up against the forest, yeah. too, though. True that. That's where the bees came from, was yeah. the forest. So. Right. Um, uh, they try to reach it with blades fixed on their sticks. Portafei and his friends manage to make him let go and keep him at a distance. When, <laughs> when one or more men arrive, alerted by their cries, the be- beast flees into the nearby wood. Most- all right, all right. I'm six eight-year-olds, and I can win this. Yeah. So. All I right. Mean, I'm just... Uh, there's discrepancies here, because... Well, yeah. Literally, he took one bite and crushed a 36-year-old skull. Uh-huh. And then tried to take a bite of an eight-year-old and only got his cheek. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's Mountain Man and he had a bigger weapon last time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Monsieur de Saint-Prix informed Monsieur de la Verde of this conversation. I want y'all to know that every time Don says something in French, he does like a little like a like, like a, a little head nod yeah. thing. You, you can't you can't speak French and not do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the it's the equivalent of the the fucking hand thing for the yeah. Italian. <laughs> yeah. I practiced. I did not. There was so much French in this script. I did not want to fuck myself over, so I practiced. I did the best I could. No, it's you're, good. You're doing you're doing very well. To reward uh Pontefe for his courage, the king offered to pay for his education. The young boy was born on the 8th of November, 1752 in Chanalais. On April 16th, 1765, he joined the Brothers of Christian Doctrine or Ignorant Brothers of Montpellier. What? Yeah, that was the title. Brothers of Christian Doctrine or Ignorant Brothers. I'm not sure if that if they're like self-owning themselves. Damn, again, that lines up really well with next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is that's wild actually. Yeah. For that to be a thing. So he stayed there until November of 1770 when he entered the school of the Royal Corps of Artillery. He then became a lieutenant under the name of Jacques Viret. He died at the age of 33 or so on August 14th, 1785 in Frankenville. See, you know, Asian people didn't give a shit what age you were, so why should I care? Yeah. Like, I don't give, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, people ask me how old I am, and I have to say 29. I'm like, nah, I'm like, it really? For real, though? I'm like, somewhere in my mid-30s. <laughs> like. See, yes, feel me, that. you know, I feel, <laughs> you know, emotionally, I'm probably still in my 20s. Physically, my knees are probably 50. <laughs> uh, my hip is Pushing 65. <laughs> Feels like you would fall right around a 47. Hey, you're... Are you a psychic? No, no. <laughs> is that how old you are? That is how old I am. I was just kind of guessing. It's, if, if we're taking, like, average of our body parts, yeah, I think yeah. my, my brain's still, like, 17. <laughs> my knees are definitely 35. No, everything in me is 35. <laughs> You've got an easy it. average, then. 100%. So me, I'm on the fucking money right now. <laughs> I wish I could act like I was in my 20s, but my body Girl will say. not let me. <laughs> will not I'll let me. I'll tell you that right now. God <laughs> Meanwhile, the bishops and the stewards had to deal with a massive influx of mail. People from all over France were proposing... Hey, guys, don't send your mail. 
to the post office. What? Yeah, the bishops and stewards. Uh, Wait, hold on, hold on. Sorry, I got it wrong. Yeah. I thought you meant that there was a large influction of, like, men. Men. No, male. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, people from all over. <laughs> people- don't, don't do that. What the fuck? People from all over France were proposing more or less far-fetched methods to deal with the beast. The court also received representations of the beast, which were broadcast in the Gévaldin region so that everyone would be less frightened by its approach and less prone to misunderstanding, and so that packs of hunting dogs could be trained to chase the beast with an effigy, quote-unquote, executed in cardboard. I did not realize cardboard was that old. I did not either. I also didn't. Yeah, apparently so. But they were, yeah, they were making fake beasts to train the dogs. Huh. Wow. Cool. Yeah, that's that's actually kind of innovative for the time. This would be a good video game setup. Yeah. (laughs) We make one out of cardboard and we train the animals to attack the cardboard beast. Then (laughs) when they see the real beast, they'll attack it instinctually. Yes. But the cardboard beast doesn't run, sir. Shut up! (laughs) All right, now. Peasant! Now now that we've solved that, how do we get the peasants out of the way? (laughs) Uh, Let the beast take care of it, sire. Brilliant! <laughs> but then we'll be blamed for not killing the beast. Uh, we tried. It's the classic catch-22, sir. We made cardboard cutouts. What <laughs> more could we possibly do? I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> Patsy, fetch the coconuts. Let's go. As am, I am a woman, and I would be in the house at this point. Or burn at the stake. <laughs> Probably that one, actually. The, the church would have got me years ago. <laughs> So on May 1st of 17... Kelsey's just at home talking about, what should I sew for my fucking next embroidery? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, not embroidery. (laughs) so bad at it. (laughs) So on May 1st, 1765, the beast is near the Rejauve woods between La Malzieu and St. Alban. At at 6.30 p.m. What the fuck? Where did that come? Huh? Okay, I'm sorry. St. Alban. At 6.30 p.m., as it was about to attack a young shepherd of about 15 years of age, a man, one of the Martlet brothers from the hamlet of La Chomette, located... That's a Western <laughs> name. <laughs> what? what? Marlet brothers? The Mar- you, Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, they, that's okay, a trio of brothers who shot somebody. Probably the Marlet Marley. brothers. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Located southeast of St. Alban. <laughs> Saw it from the window of the house, about 200 meters or away. 12. I'm not sure how many of them there are now. He then warns his two brothers, and they all hasten to arm themselves and lead the house. The Come, be- brothers, we must kill this beast. We must away. Grab your weapons. Yes. Gird yourselves. Yes. We must save the peasant. We must save the peasantry. No, not my boy. <laughs> <laughs> the beast is said to have been shot twice. The beast is said to have been shot twice, falling each time before he could get up again. It manages to escape even though it was wounded in the neck. The next day, Deneval, who had been warned in the meantime, went to the scene and continued the trace accompanied by about 20 men. Remember, Deneval was the Norseman. Uh The wolf hunter. The Norman. I'm the wolf hunter. I hunt wolves. Yes. The legendary wolf hunter. son of Uhtred. (laughs) Who sits in the corner of the tavern and waits to hear people talk about wolves. My name is Bertrand Ulfednar. In Strahd, these people's names are... um, Fuck, can I remember their real names? (laughs) It's not that fucking far off. It's like... Slappy? 
Oh no, they were unimportant. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Amira um, does not care. They're probably gonna die anyway, it's fine. So they all hoped that the beast had been wounded to death. The announcement that a woman had been killed in the afternoon in the parish of Ventigues finally proved them wrong. The day after this hunt, Marquis Pierre Charles de Morangier wrote to the syndic France, calm your ass down, okay? (laughs) I'm not done. I still got more. Uh, Wrote to the syndic syndic Etienne Lafont to complain about the Denavals. This is his letter. Monsieur Denaval arrived and gave us, as usual, a speech of the most distressing uselessness. You, who are a politician, are obliged to reveal in the eyes of the authorities the effrontery of these Norman men who have only human faces. On May 18th, Morangier sent a That's new letter. That's a weird insult. That is <laughs> such a weird one. Your face is so human. I think he's referring to the fact that like, they're just human. That they're regarded as, you know what I'm saying? They're not okay, gods. Okay, they're okay. not special. They're oh, just human. I got yeah. you. Uh, that makes um, sense, but it also just sounds really funny. <laughs> it, did. it did sound very funny. There's like a Japanese insult that is, um, it's basically your mother's belly button sticks out. And like, I don't know what that means, but it, doesn't it feel like if somebody said that shit to you, you would hit them? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, bitch, what? I'm gonna fuck you up. All right. I, one of my favorite, like, really passive aggressive Japanese insults is to tell someone that they have a really nice watch means that they're taking up too much of your time Ooh, <laughs> yeah i like yeah. that <laughs> so if somebody's like droning on and on and on you'd be like it's a really nice watch really nice you got there because you want them to look at it and see that they're taking up too much of your <laughs> I time. i can't say that's a really nice watch you got there for reasons that should be obvious to the people in this room because if i say hey that's a really nice watch you got there you mind if you run that shit <laughs> <laughs> So, on May 18th, Morangier sent a new letter of complaint to Lafont, while the Denival hunts were still unsuccessful. On June 8th, on the order of the king, Francois-Antoine, harquebus carrier of his majesty, which is another mounted artilleryman. That's cool. Um, nice. That's just cool. It's really fucking cool. Yeah, I'm picturing, like, rifles as long as jousting oh, poles, yeah. you know? Um, oh, man. <laughs> but he leaves Paris for Gévaudan. He was accompanied by his youngest son, Robert... Again, I'm changing my D&D character. Son of a fuck. Uh, he's accompanied by his youngest son, Robert Francois Antoine I... de Bertenay. Every single one of us is, yes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, she's, she's the daughter of one. Well, yeah. Um, but he was also accompanied also by eight captains of the Royal Guard, six gamekeepers, a servant, and two valets of bloodhounds. So the bloodhounds have cool. valets? I guess. That's dope. Or the bloodhounds are valets. That's even cooler. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. So on Sunday, August 11th, 1765, it's marked by the exploits of La Pousselle du Gévaudan, which translates to the maid of Gévaudan. Marie-Jeanne Valet, about 20 years old, was the servant of the parish priest of Polhac. While she and another and other peasant women were using the footbridge to cross a small river, the beast attacked them. The girls took a few steps back, but the beast throws himself on Marie Jane. Marie Jean. Yeah. Fuck it. I'm calling her Mary Jane. Throws himself her, on yes. Mary Jane. <laughs> 
As as Ruben is over here swirling the weed that he just broke up like it's a fine fucking wine. Uh, Mary Jean. You have to let it breathe. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Jean manages to stick her spear into his chest. The beast then falls into the river and disappears into the woods. The story quickly reaches Antoine, who then goes to the scene to see that the spear is indeed covered with blood and that the traces found are similar to those of the beast. In a letter to the minister, he nicknamed Mary Jane Valet the Virgin of Gévaudan. And to this day, a statue of What Mary- an assumption, huh? What? <laughs> the Virgin of Gévaudan, yeah. Oh, huh? yeah, she worked for a priest. She couldn't have been exactly. not a virgin, although she was probably being raped every night. Well... <laughs> Uh, a statue of Mary Jane Valet uh, spearing the beast can still be seen today. I don't today. know, man. Maybe her and the priest were fucking. Yo, she's got just a in love statue. Yeah, it's cool. She's holding the her spear. And the, other and the beast is girls? like at the tip of the spear. That worked for him. Um, no, maybe the twelve girls was in love with each other. Who knows? But it can be seen in the modern day village of Avere in France. I, just, I don't like. I don't want to think about it. Right What's is. <laughs> How is it spelled, actually? M-A-R-I-E. Uh-huh. It's very J-E-A-N-N-E. nice to think well of the Catholic Church in any sense. I don't think well of the Catholic Church. I'm just hoping that one man, you know, just one. So the killing... Yo! What? That's a fucking sick statue. Yeah. Okay, that is very rad. That's so rad. That is very rad. It's a, it's a statue of a woman in a dress with a spear... A long ass a spear. A long, long spear. Like longer than her. Yeah. Killing a demon wolf. Yeah. But as it, it lunges at her. It's very good. So the killing of the creature that eventually marked the end of the attacks is credited to a local hunter named Jean Chastel, who shot it at the slopes of Mount Moshe, now called La Somme d'Alve. During a hunt organized by a local nobleman, the Mar- nobleman, the Marquis d'Apcher, on June 19, 1767. Now, in 1889, Abbot Porcher, or Porcher told the edifying oral tradition which said that the pious hero Chastel shot the creature after reciting his prayers. But the historical accounts... That's, but- just a, that's just the same shit we say about snipers now. <laughs> so he did a quick Hail Mary and then he took the shot. Fuck you. The historical accounts do not report any such thing. The story about the large caliber bullets homemade with Virgin Mary's medals is a literary invention by the French writer Henri Poirot. That might be where the silver bullets came from, Josh. Sorry, say that part again. Um, it was uh, a story about the large caliber bullets that uh, Chattel, or Chastel used was homemade using Virgin Mary's medals. Ah. But this is a literary invention by the French writer Henri Perrault. Okay. I want to know the etymology of that phrase, honestly. Like, where does that come from? What, St. Mary's Medals? Yeah. Like, the Virgin Mary's Medals, I believe is what you said, right? Yeah, Virgin Mary's Medals. Yeah, what is that? That Is it silver? Like, Well, I mean, silver was regarded as a holy metal. Yeah. so. So was gold, though. Gold bullets are even cooler. That actually. is kind of cool. <laughs> but gold is soft. So. Yeah. Well, silver's not that much better. Eh, compared to gold, as mm. as in ammunition. The miraculous medal, also known as the Medal of Our Lady of Graces, is a devotional medal, the design of which was originated by St. Catherine Labore, following her apparitions... Of the Blessed so Virgin Mary. So it was Mary. probably just like a thing that yeah. was created and was blessed. 
Um, yeah. And so, like, it was just a symbol. Mm-hmm. So but it's it probably like holy water. Like, it's just a priest blessed it before he mm-hmm. used it. Mm-hmm. But to this day, I mean, I mean, it doesn't matter because it was wasn't real, anyways. Uh, the yeah, the body yeah, of the creature was then brought to the castle of Marquis d'Apchier. You know, this isn't real. What werewolves? Yeah, I know. We're talking <laughs> about a werewolf, though. Talking about a beast, yeah, shaped like a wolf, yeah, on the werewolf episode. Well, this is the true story that harkens back to the. It's not. I forgot this was true. Yeah, yeah. Well, you thought I made all? I'm just making this shit up. No, I I thought we were still doing legends, bud. No, this is a true story. This is real. No, this is this is historically backed. What was this thing? We we just looked at a statue, a real statue. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna get to some of the theories. Okay. Good. Um, so the, the creep, the body, Cause of the like creature. if people really did see it, like, I'm like, how the fuck do we, what? I, no, I've been wondering the whole time. I've yeah. just been trying to keep it in. And like, that's why I thought for, it was a legend. Cause I didn't even, end. I fucking forgot that but, we had talked about how this, like, yeah, we're going to get to some theories about why people don't know what it was. Huh? I can't wait. Um, so the body was brought to the castle of the Marquis d'Apchier where it was stuffed by Dr. Boulanger. You see how smooth he just did that folks? A surgeon of Sosagia. Not that one. Dr. Boulanger's <laughs> uh, post-mortem report was transcribed by notary Marin and is known as the Marin Report on the Beast. The Marin, the Marin report. report. yeah. <laughs> Upon being opened, the animal's stomach was shown to contain the remains of its last victim. Holy shit. Now, to this day, no one is entirely sure what terrorized the people of Gévaudan in the 1760s. But several theories have emerged. The most is pro- aliens... The most prominent theory is that the beast was exactly what the first witness described, a Eurasian wolf. Or more likely, the beast of Gévaldan was a particularly aggressive pack of wolves. Okay. The animals are native to the region, and there are thousands of wolf attacks in France on record between the 17th and 19th centuries. Now, historians, scientists, pseudoscientists, and conspiracy theorists have all proposed theories about what the beast was. Among the suspects, the aforementioned Eurasian wolf, an armored war dog, a striped sick. hyena, that is sick. <laughs> a lion, some kind of prehistoric predator, a werewolf, a dog-wolf hybrid, and a human. Of the candidates, the most fanciful is the werewolf. I don't know, man. I don't know the human. The human wolf combo is pretty un. Also, the same yeah. to me. Also unrealistic is that the beast was an extinct prehistoric predator, such as a bear dog, dire wolf, or hyena don. Ooh, also a hyena don. I don't never heard of a hyena don. A hyena don don. Thank you. I was literally <laughs> just about to say that. Okay. <laughs> That's cool as fuck is all. (laughs) (laughs) Now, the idea that such a large animal would evade detection for thousands to millions of years is just too implausible. Henceforth, Uh Don will be known as Hyena Don. Oh, shit. Now we got to change our nicknames in the group. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. There was a whole species of deer that went extinct back in like the 60s and just reemerged. Like we just found a pack of them um, in Russia. They have like fangs. Um, They're fanged deer and they use them like bite and stuff like instead of on their heads it's mm-hmm. weird um so but yeah cool they, they thought episode. that it w- didn't exist and they went extinct in the 60s and they just we just found a pack of them so i mean yeah but that's like Life 60 years versus away. a thousand or a million or something thank you mr goldblum thank you uh life uh 
finds a way. <laughs> Some depictions of the beast and the animal slain by Chastel suggest it resembled a striped hyena. Now, it is possible that a striped hyena may have been in a person's private holding and then escaped. Feels like a striped hyena is smaller than a regular wolf, though. Well, since it was not native to France, it would have appeared unusual. However, striped hyenas are not known to attack humans. Now, I mean, unless they get hungry enough, any animal will resort to attacking more dangerous prey. But in a place where, like, it's humans versus sheep. Yeah. Or cows, even. like. And he's by himself? Yeah. And this creature did show some signs <clears throat> of intelligence of some sort. Right. I mean, it would find the weakest. It would, um, you know, it would decapitate, you know, constantly. You know, usually an animal, if it's just doing it out of hunger, is going to eat whatever Yeah, it that's true. It just decapitating and then leaving yeah with just the head just mean yeah because i mean there's really nothing in that you can't get to the i'm imagining that it's some sort of like weirdly large non-native species of wolf or dog or something bear maybe because they've been known to like kill for fun and it's then the also man like, bear pig probably yeah. like probably it had a like a rabies or something yeah. oh that's also very possible i always really like theories that come down to like it's a prehistoric animal of some sort that somehow still exists those are fun those are very they're really fun because they're more grounded in reality but they're also still very fanciful yes so i always really like those stories about like megalodons still existing or like Like the loch ness the loch ness monster being uh leo uh, no yeah leo pleurodon no, I think no, that's, that's, from, that's from Charlie the Unicorn. <laughs> the Leo Plurodon. The magical Leo Plurodon. Ah, they took my freaking kidneys. <laughs> so, um, Carl Hans Takei, I guess. Yeah. Oh, my. Yes. Uh, a biologist. Shouts out to George Takei. He's a real <laughs> one. A biologist and author of the Gévaudan tragedy, the disastrous campaign of a departed beast argues that the beast may have been an immature male lion. Like the hyena, it is possible that a lion escaped from captivity. That does make sense to me. Yeah. The beast reportedly was an ambush hunter that seized prey by the neck and could possibly decapitate a lion. Or a and if it's, if it's like a territorial thing, then it would make sense to mm-hmm. just attack, kill, and leave. Right. And, and also, it would also make sense in the mindset of a predator. Like, it's a predator... You're a predator. You're in its territory. Yes, Get the fuck out of here. Exactly. Yeah, and that would also explain the tail that's supposed to be thin with the little tuft at the, the end. Tuft at the end. end. Yeah. yeah. And because it was an immature, it didn't have the mane. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it looked more like. Or its mane, like adolescent male lions do kind of look like adolescent male humans in that when they try to grow facial hair, it's real patchy <laughs> and bad. So it does look fuck kind off. of like an, a hyena. It's all I got. You, I, it's the best I can do. But I'm so sorry to tell you this, but there's, it's, there's nothing. You look I like know. Shaggy. I know. Can you see? I mean, you're wearing the shirt, so. Like Scoob. I just feel attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is like, you know, it is like that. Like, it's kind of growing hair, but it looks like a kind of like a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but With a real short snout, like a pit bull snout almost. Yeah. So, a lion, uh, uh, Takei argues, could exhibit these predatory behaviors. Now, lions have been known to prey upon humans as food sources, such as the famous case of the lions of Sevo, 
in which a lion pair killed over 130 victims in under a year. Another supporting fact is that the territory of the beast, at roughly 56 by 50 miles, aligns with the lion's typical range. Eyewitnesses in France at the time were likely not familiar with living lions, and what they did know about them came from very stylized imagery. A sub-adult male does not have a fully developed mane and sometimes has a mohawk type of stripe running Mm -hmm. down its back. Mm-hmm. This matches descriptions of the beasts by eyewitnesses, Teke argues. Which, uh, that's kind of similar to the way hyenas look, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. One hunter at the time, Captain Jean-Baptiste Duhamel, uh, wrote, you will undoubtedly it's think... It's more like... I'm sorry. <laughs> it doesn't matter what okay. I was going to say just now. <laughs> <laughs> you will undoubtedly think, like I do, that this is a monster hybrid, the father of which is a lion, which its mother was remains yeah. to be seen. Or what its mother was remains to be seen. There was also suggestions. I did not like know a this. liger. A li- I did not realize this. A liger is if the father is a, a lion and the mother is a tiger. If it's the other way around, and I I did not know this, and the father's a tiger, the mother's a lion. It's called a tigon. Huh. Hmm. That's hmm. rad. I yeah. never knew that. Do I they think- still have the same issue? I, yes. I don't, I, I don't know much. I didn't about know liger what they were called, but I was tigon really is into cooler this than shit. lygon. I was really into this type of stuff when I was a, like a Liger. young teenager. And yes, they both, um, most animals that are crossbreed like that, like a mule or a liger or apparently a fucking Tigon. Um, <laughs> Tigon, take me away. Um, Tigon, a symbol. Um, <clears throat> yeah, they all suffer from like, um, like uh, conceptive issues, incontinence. They can't. Infertility. It, infertility. That's the one. Ah. No, I was talking about the fact that they don't stop growing. Oh, I'm not sure about that. Ligers don't stop growing. Oh, really? Yes, they just get huge, and then their hearts die like a like a Great Dane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get too mm-hmm. big for their their heart, or like Andre the Giant, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or probably a lot of basketball players. Yeah. So others have suggested that a human serial killer may be responsible for the attacks. Many of the beast's victims were reported to be decapitated, something few animals could do. And while it is unlikely that a killer would roam about for victims in broad daylight wearing a bestial costume, those who support this theory believe that the human killer used an animal to carry out the crimes. Hey! Now, what was the animal? Now, some have speculated that it was an armored war dog, <laughs> which explains its strange appearance and why it shrugged off musket shots. I just been play- I just finished Ghost of Tsushima. The regular game. Just started a new game plus. And um, in the game, there are Mongol war dogs. Yeah. And uh, that's all I'm imagining right now. (laughs) So among the theories considered most credible is that wolves perpetrated the attack. As as told to the Smithsonian Smithsonian Magazine, (laughs) Gévaudan has a serious wolf infestation. Now, uh, this biologist believes that large lone wolves were attacking individual communities across the region or that it was a wolf pack. Now, wolves are native to the region and have attacked humans before. I've already read all that. Sorry. Uh, Most cases, these types of attacks were, were by rabid wolves. There are some potential flaws in the wolf theory, including the frequency of the beast's deadly attacks, suggesting it was not a single rabid wolf. Also, none of its victims seem to have contracted rabies, the ones that survived. Mm. suggesting that their attacker also did not carry rabies. Mm-hmm. That will shoot that down pretty quick. Although there are strong voices arguing multiple theories about the identity of the beast of Gévaudan, all admit that the truth will never be fully known, 
Without any genetic or forensic evidence, the beast of Jevaldan is bound to forever remain a mystery. I would like I would like to admit yes, yes it is. Yeah, I actually really like this story. I do too. Cool. I would like to imagine uh, I this is not what I believe, but I would like to imagine that it was the human in beast skins using a lion to attack people. Yeah. Because that would be um, now, pretty fucking I, rad. I don't know if the legend of skinwalkers um, Wogs, you mean? No, skinwalkers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Native American skinwalkers. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that is over is as far as France or if that is strictly Native American. But you know, there There's are versions of that. In I was going to say, cultures. I feel like different cultures have yeah. different versions. Japan of and China have similar stories yeah, to that as I well. I mean, like werewolves and vampires. The reason they're so prominent is because there's a version of them in like every country dating back. Thousands of years to forever, literally. Again, people want to fuck wolves <laughs> so bad, or be them, <laughs> or both, or, or they want to fucking yeah. be them. <laughs> so that takes us out of the story, um, and out of this second part of the werewolf saga. Um, we're not going to do like Stephanie Meyer and stretch it out any further. Um, <laughs> you didn't have to throw shade like that. Yes, I do. Look for Werewolves Part 2, Part 2, coming soon. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Where one of the wolves is going to imprint on... Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) On a baby. On a baby. (laughs) Uh, No, I I want you guys to understand that he didn't imprint on the baby. He imprinted on a zygote. That is right. Because it was still in the womb. Because it was literally like... Days after she got home from her honeymoon. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah, it was born quickly. Why? Why? Why are we discussing the intricacies of the Twilight Because saga? Stephanie Myers was working through some shit. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> all of her stuff that. is like that. And then she I says just it's made all a face religious. Audience. And then she says it's all religious. It's based in, she's a Christian writer. Yeah, well, also ICP says that their whole thing <laughs> is that it's all about God and yeah. I hate ICP Juggalos and Jesus. Oh my God! Oh my God! Oh, my God. oh it hurts. I can't. I, I had can't. a boyfriend who liked them. Yes, I. It was nauseating. My brother was a huge Juggalo and, back in like, like the early two thousands. Oh I used and to drink then some Fago. guy who like had a lisp really bad. Mm-hmm. I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle it. I was like, I cannot take this guy seriously. <laughs> there are oh. some of them that are really fucking cool folks. Like, oh, yeah. the oh, really mediocre music cool. aside. Oh, I spent an entire year in high school sitting at a table of Juggalos for lunch. It was great. Yeah, they were beautiful people. Some of the most accepting yeah. and loving human beings One of the that dudes the was world called has Mop, and I'll never forget him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like... I knew a few of them in high school. I just was going through my Facebook memories today, and two years ago today, I shared a meme saying that the Insane Clown Posse had canceled the gathering of the Juggalos because of the pandemic. And it said, do you hear that, politicians and preachers? (laughs) The Insane Clown Posse. the fucking Insane Clown Posse. Get out. So they're like making a weird return to relevance right now, too, like through TikTok. It's really weird. The Shout out to my plant babies. Thank y'all for today. I'm feeling good. <laughs> so, How's your mom and them? 
<laughs> Say hi to your mom for me. All right. That's not what I was going for at all. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make it clear. I'm accepting my role as a plant uncle. I'm still going to call them my plant babies. But like, you know, <laughs> that's how you got to do when you're an uncle. How's your mom and them? Yeah. And again, plant babies, if your moms are ever mean to you, let us know. You can come stay with us. <laughs> Shouts out to the plant moms, though, for real, because uh, they're putting in work for us and we appreciate them. Yeah. Shout out to plant moms everywhere. Too. Um, you know what? <laughs> Fuck yeah. You know who's a, who's a, a really uh, well-known plant mom? Do you remember um, the Blair Witch Project? Yeah. The chick Heather? Uh-huh. She grows marijuana now. That's her job in California. Good for her. Yeah, she started her own pot farm. We love it. Yeah. Get more black people in the industry. We but appreciate you. I, I wonder when she's out in her little right. field. I don't know how you grow. I know you Seems grow unnatural. pot. I don't know if it's in a field <laughs> or in a building. <laughs> it depends. But do you ever think she gets lost when she gets in there? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> just for old time's sake yeah yo it's actually wild to me that i might have a strain of wheat <laughs> <laughs> Grinders no pressure ashtrays coming soon listen to me i'll do anything <laughs> we're gonna need that strain if have you what, need a if thousand you need, milligrams of thc you if you need someone taken care of you just fucking call me okay <laughs> <laughs> you call your uncle ruben i'll, I'll take care of him yeah. i know i got a guy <laughs> All right. So with that, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up. So I've been Don. I've been, I've been high. <laughs> I haven't. Kelsey. Do you want to be? <laughs> I'm good at the moment. All right, sick. Just close the door. Eventually, we're all going to get high. That's not how it works. I've seen it happen in, in, in a stadium. So That's a different thing. Well, it also that is an amount of weed that is unconscionable. <laughs> <laughs> you just saying that because there was like a cloud hanging over Tampa Stadium. What a towel oh yeah, for you can smoke yeah. out a bathroom or a car for sure, or a garage if you have enough weed. As always, of course, give us the support, both monetary oh, yeah, and not. Yeah. On Patreon, you can rate us on Facebook now. We're five stars, but it's only one. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, but we're at four point eight on Spotify. Give us them ratings, though, for real. Yeah. If you listen to us on Apple, leave a review. They still do that? I don't know. I don't either. I just see the ratings. If the if your podcast service of choice will allow you to leave a rating, do so. Please. If it'll allow you to leave a review, please, please also it'll, do it'll so. It'll help us. It costs you nothing. It takes five seconds. You're already here. You listen to an episode. That's the qualification. Help. Yeah. And to tennis. How have you not looked up the names of our people that we got to talk about right now, but. Oh, that's I, right. I rely on you. I was about to say, because this isn't the main episode, but I guess it is the main episode. It sure is, yeah. <laughs> Amanda has given us permission to fuck up her name as much as possible. But here's the thing. Galaylee. I, I don't know if that's right. It's no, not. It's... <laughs> but she gave us permission, so I'm going to pronounce like it differently it, though. every I, week. It's so important to me to get this right. So, Amanda... Galili, I'm assuming, if you would like to send us a quick voice message on Facebook, <laughs> just say your name just one time. Fucking tell us how to say it. I, I know would, your first name's not America. I know that. I I just I don't it feels like disrespect, and I don't like that. <laughs> so our patrons, we have Muddy Blary, as always, the first uh one to believe in us. We got Katie Reitzel, who was the first to interact with us. Ride or die. Ride or die, Amanda Galilli, who 
We're going to fuck up your name whether you like it or not. No, we're not. We're going to get it right. <laughs> I know. No, we care. We're and sorry. We love it. Whose husband has now joined the Facebook page and wants to be your friend. Nice. Uh, Jonathan Brada, Carly, Whitney Ketchum, and our newest, Erica Engel. Shouts out to Erica. Double shout out to Erica because she hasn't gotten her Patreon shout out on the previous episodes because she wasn't here yet. And also because her sister's on this episode. That's right. (laughs) Absolutely. Hey, all right. So uh, also uh, Facebook is facebook.com slash TTOpod. And Patreon is patreon.com slash two towns over. I'll start caring about the other socials soon, I think. Right. It's only been what? I don't know. A couple weeks. Since he quit his terrible, oh, terrible job. Yeah, my horrible job. I thought you were to say since we started this thing. We're no. pushing up on a year now. Yeah, can you believe how many episodes we've put out in just two weeks? Yeah. We're impressive. We even did it. We got in a time machine to release them. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we've been to 2024. Oh, it sucks. Don't but. say that. <laughs> right, right, no. no. We're, we're, we've got a band set on predictions right now, dog. We can't be doing shit like that. A band? Don't predict anything until oh, we're done band. with this. Okay, I thought you said a Don't band. Don't say anything that could be the future. Okay, sorry. Because what if it does suck, Don? Yeah, I don't want it to age well. <laughs> I want it to, yeah. <laughs> Here's to hoping that joke ages incredibly poorly. Yeah. Oh, thank Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're going to wrap it up since we wrapped it up 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Fuck cancer. Fuck it. <laughs>